Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Content warning. Check the show notes for more information. It's January 5th, 1930. And another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. Anton Deck, Laurel and Hardy, Big Mac and Heartburn. Some things just go together. <laughs> and America's most notorious outlaws met in Texas today in history in 1930. Parker and Barrow. Sorry, it's only their first names with cachet. Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> yeah, and their meeting, according to legend, is fairly pedestrian. Clyde drops around to a mutual friend's place and Bonnie is in the kitchen making hot chocolate and it's love at first sight. Very wholesome. Meat's yeah. cute. <laughs> yeah. Richard Curtis stuff. <laughs> it is. Yeah, but after digging deep into some of the Bonnie and Clydeologists online, it seems like Bonnie was actually staying with her brother Buster and his wife Edith. The reason that that bit kind of got obscured was that when Bonnie Parker's relatives were interviewed immediately after her death, they covered up a lot of their living family's involvement. They didn't want to actually say that they had met at her brother's house because that made it sound like her brother was maybe a criminal. But apparently Buster's wife, Edith, had a brother called Clarence who was friends with Clyde, who apparently had dropped around there to meet him. And there are accounts later from Bonnie where she mentions trying to make Clyde hot chocolate using condensed milk because it was his favourite drink. So that part's definitely true. I just love that you tried to blow a hole in the hot chocolate story. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm just going to come in here and say, like, if you haven't tuned in for the hot chocolate theories, (laughs) just for those of you who don't know, Bonnie and Clyde, by the time they were done, are believed to have committed 13 murders. That's Mm. who we're talking about here, right? Several robberies and burglaries. What do you mean, well? Wow. <laughs> yeah, most mostly sheriffs and police officers, so that doesn't count. Yes, 13 murders, <laughs> Rebecca. And that is why they are so famous, but also because, I guess, the way they went about it, travelling around the States in stolen cars, endeared them to the public at mm. the time of the Depression in a way that it's quite disturbing to look back on. Yeah, so Clyde Barrows, he was born very, very poor to a family that had seven children. He was the fifth of them, and they were so... Uh, deprived that they spent months living in their wagon and then in a tent. At the age of 17, Clyde got into his first scrape with the law when he was running away from police after he failed to return a hire car. Pretty minor stuff. (laughs) But from there, he also got involved in petty crime and was arrested again for um, being in possession of stolen turkeys. How many episodes have we covered notorious criminals where they start by doing like cattle rustling? And it's in his case, turkey rustling. But yeah. yeah, and at the time when he met Bonnie, he was in his early 20s, holding down at least a few uh, legitimate jobs, but also doing a bit of robbery on the side and safe cracking. <laughs> and stolen turkey holding. Yeah, a bit of that. <laughs> <laughs> and as for Bonnie, she was 19, and I'm not saying she had a drab small-town life, but she was literally working as a diner waitress in a town called Cement City. <laughs> it was an industrial area. It's now part of West Dallas. And it's understandable if she was young and restless, like many a small-town teen today, but unlike 
like most teens today, she had already been married and separated. The week before she turned 16, she dropped out of school and married a classmate called Roy Thornton. Unclear exactly why, but photos of him as an adult suggest he was a bit of a tall drink of water. But unsurprisingly, the high school marriage did not last very long. Yeah, because he ended up being an imprisoned murderer. When you say separated, separated (laughs) by the law. So, you know, she had a type. Yes, after four years of marriage, which they mostly spent apart because he was either committing crimes or he was in prison for crimes, they had separated in January the previous year, 1929. She had moved back to live with her widowed seamstress mother on her grandmother's farm, but they never officially divorced. She wore her wedding ring until she died. And as a less traditional reminder, she had a tattoo on her right thigh of two hearts containing their names. Oh, (laughs) wow. Nonetheless, she was, uh, according to all accounts, smitten by Clyde and brought him home the next night to meet her mother. Clyde then slept on the couch. He was a gentleman. Uh, (laughs) But the next morning was arrested for burglary and sent to jail. He then escaped using a gun that Bonnie had smuggled to him. So it's extraordinary, isn't it? Like, so soon after meeting, they're already getting up to Bonnie and Clyde-like japes. Yeah. Um, But he was then recaptured and sent back to prison, whereupon... He asked a fellow prisoner to chop off two of his toes with an axe. Yeah. uh, Hoping that if he did that, he'd be excused from prison on grounds of disability. But then he was paroled anyway, so he hadn't needed to chop off his toes. But he'd also, during this time, committed his first murder. And it was in retaliation for the fact that he was being sexually assaulted while in prison and he attacked and killed his tormentor with a pipe, crushing his skull. Um, Another inmate actually confessed to that crime because that inmate was already serving a life sentence and so he had nothing to lose by claiming responsibility for that. We haven't even got on to the Bonnie and Clyde killing spree yet. Yeah, I mean, it's astonishing, isn't it? Right, Yeah. yeah. So he gets out and it's at this point that one of his collaborators, a guy called Ralph Fultz described him as having been transformed from a schoolboy to a rattlesnake. And you really do get that sense that by the time he's out, he's a dangerous man. And I think both in the press at the time and even now in fictionalised accounts of them, you know, she's sometimes painted as being this kind of gangster's mole, you know, brassy, gum-chewing. But in real life, she seems to have been kind of just a romantic teenager, living out what she saw as this, what we would call, I guess, emo love fantasy, you know, of sticking by her misunderstood man until death. She actually, one of the interesting things about them is that during their spree, she kind of interacted with the press. She was upset when a photo of her posing with a cigar, you've probably seen it, that got printed in the papers. And she wanted it pointed out that it was a joke and that she was a nice girl who would never actually smoke cigars. You know, it shows you how kind of naive <laughs> by, she was. She was living way, out this fantasy. She's not just smoking a cigar in this picture. She's also holding an enormous gun. I mean, that was a thing <laughs> that she didn't feel the need to correct. <laughs> Throughout 1933, they went on this massive spree that involved four gun battles that resulted in the deaths of at least three police officers. And it doesn't matter how popular you are with the general public, if you're killing police, you know, the cops are going to come for you. And Long they term, really, yeah. it's not a good strategy. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. But also then as now, there are some people who think, well, you know, if you're going after just law enforcement, it's different to going after the public. But actually, you look at the list of people that they probably killed, and there's a lot of, like, gas station owners in there. Mm. There's a lot of mom-and-pop shop restaurateurs in there who just happened to be in the crossfire. 
Well, one of the first of those was the owner of a store in Hillsborough, Texas, and he was shot dead during the robbery and uh, Clyde uh, had been the getaway driver and had remained outside in the car, but he was accused of murder for the first time. One of the things they did that was quite clever is they stayed close to state borders because then police couldn't cross state boundaries to follow a criminal. Mm. It was like an extraordinary loophole that they were able to exploit. <laughs> and they were taking enormous risks because they kept heading back to Texas to see their families because they were both really attached to their wider families. And in the end, that was how they got cornered. Yeah. So one of the things that they were accused of was moving a stolen car across state lines. And so the FBI were like, great, we're in. <laughs> um, but, you know, they, they were trying to get them for a stolen car rather than all of these thefts and murders. Yeah, I mean, it's so prosaic in the end. You know, you were saying that the way they met was kind of underwhelming. It's actually equally sort of uninteresting in a way that how the FBI got close. As you say, they were just following a stolen car. Yeah. They'd left a bottle of their aunt's prescription drugs in it. Yeah, and the posse who ultimately ambushed them was made up of six men, and one of them was Dallas County Deputy Sheriff Ted Hinton. He was only 29, and he actually had a personal connection to both Bonnie and Clyde because he and Clyde had worked together as Western Union messengers as boys, and he also had frequented the restaurant that Bonnie was working as a waitress in, Marco's Cafe. She had served him lunches, and he told his son later that he'd always had a crush on her. He thought she, he thought she was a lovely young lady. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the way that they finally mounted their to they, they weren't even trying to catch them they were just trying to to kill them dead and so this posse got together and the trap that they got caught in depended on one of their collaborators a guy called Henry Methven whose father was enlisted to flag the pair down on the side of the road and they willingly thought that he had some sort of car trouble or something and it was at this point that from the side of the road the posse just unleashed their guns and shot so many bullets into them. I mean, it's almost obscene. The amount of lead that ended up in these two humans was was so extreme that the undertaker even reported that he had difficulty embalming the bodies due to the large number of bullet holes. But they were put on public display. You know, as we discussed in our John Dillinger episode, the public still loved them. Yeah. So the attendance at Clyde's funeral was so massive that the thronging congregation nearly pushed his family into his open grave. Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Another weird thing that went on the road was Clyde's stolen Ford V8 in which they were shot to death, which was dubbed the death car. And it used to go around the country from sort of state fair to state fair where people could <laughs> admire the bullet holes and the blood stains for wow. four 40 years. It's like in the front, they should have put, you know, the things you stand in at the seaside with the face holes <laughs> inside the car. Tomorrow. In 1916, Charlie Chaplin starred in a film called The Rink, the first movie about roller skating. Yeah. Ditch the ads and get a Sunday episode when you join Club Retrospectors. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, part of the ACAST Creator Network. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.